Hi, I'm Dan Wilton, the CEO of First Mining Gold. First Mining is a gold project developer with two 5 million ounce gold projects in Canada. The Spring Pole Gold Project in Ontario, which we're moving through the environmental assessment process, and the recently consolidated uh, ownership of the Duparquet Gold Project in Quebec. Dan, good to see you, and happy New Year to you, sir. Um, look, we thought we kind of catch up with you, get a sense of what's what 2023 is um, going to look like. But first of all, let's look back a bit. Uh, 2022, obviously, um, Duparquet acquisition was you know significant and meaningful, and you're going to have to communicate to the market why and how that thing um, you know, aids you. But what are the other moments in 22 that you got right, you think, which is going to set you up for 23? Yeah, listen, I, I think one of the biggest ones was on the environmental assessment process uh, at Springpool. So submitting that 10,000-page uh, environmental assessment document draft. And we've now gone through the process where we've got, you know, first round of comments back from all of the regulators uh, I think it gives us more confidence every day as you address, you know, more of those questions and concerns that this is a, a process that is moving forward. Um, so that's, you know, on, on the spring pole side, that's one of the biggest things. I think one of the other biggest things that we're just starting to, to uh, ramp up now was a lot of uh, kind of in the background work over 2022 was the building of our exploration team led by James Maxwell and James has built a great team, but like that first season of, you know, real mapping, sampling on the ground, fundamental geology uh, in the Bertucci district around spring pole. I think that's really going to start bearing fruit in 2023 as we're able to start advancing exploration programs there. So when I think about the, the two real catalysts, uh, those, you know, there's lots of other stuff going on in the background in terms of technical de-risking. But I think uh, at Springpool, certainly those are those are two of the big things I think we got right. Robert, tell me about this, because it's, it, I'm always fascinated by the kind of what's going on in the heads of the management team and the, the, the board. You've already got a big project there in terms of ounces, right? So you're building yep. an exploration team, you know, and we get questions sent in all the time about people going, right, well, well, when's this thing get into production, right? So you're talking about exploration still because there's some upside. So why is that the smartest use of your money and time and effort on an already big project? Well, I think a couple of reasons. Number one, the only thing better than a five million ounce gold project is a six million ounce gold project, right? Well, no, there's something, Every... I tell you, there's something better than that, Dan, and that's cash. Yeah, that's better no. than all of the above. So that, that's the question people want answered. So why, why is this strategy the best strategy? Yeah, no, I hear you. it's it's not growth for growth's sake, but it is demonstrating another real strategic angle, which is that the perception of Springpool was that it was the deposit was uh, confined and cut off, and there wasn't any real upside opportunity. When when you when you look at how you get real strategic value for large projects. You have to have defined resource, but you also have to have some of that exploration potential. And we think at Springpool, it's not just around the deposit. And there is, we think, some very good exploration potential, you know, within a couple of kilometers, like real sort of deposit resource expansion in the existing footprint. But then we've got 70,000 hectares of greenfield uh, exploration ground that we've consolidated around the project, a number of million ounce plus targets that you can go after. And that's the thing that turns this from, you know, a, a nice project into a, 
generational development opportunity. And those are, I think, the things that strategically can really set a project apart. Right, strategically for who? Because there's, you know, in an environment like this, right, you, you usually, when goals at the, these sorts of levels, the producers are making a ton of money, they start sniffing around and, they, you know, they start looking at projects and they can, they, they'll like some, they'll, they'll discount a, a heck of a lot more. What is the picture you're trying to build for those guys? Like I say, it's already big. I get the kind of blue sky of the exploration potential there, but what else do you need to do to kind of tie a nice pretty bow around spring pole and say, look, guys, that's ready to go, if that's your strategy? Yeah, well, I think our strategy is advancing this project with the team and the resources that we have to get it, you know, to that construction decision. We've been very clear that, there's a whole bunch of different alternatives that can that can come out when you get to that point. Uh, we're not to that point yet. We think that points, you know, call it uh, two and a half years away from environmental assessment approval. But there's significant de-risking in those two and a half years that if we achieve our milestones there, this project is not going to be trading at $8 an ounce anymore. It should be trading at, you know, if you look historically, $50 to $100 an ounce. So, you know, I think that also just goes to increasing the profile of this project, which, you know, out, not in the in the financial markets, not so much. But, you know, it's it's interesting. We're starting to get a lot of positive feedback in regulatory circles that Spring Pole's kind of the next big project in Ontario that's that's uh, going through really the heart of its environmental assessment process. So we've got great focus from the regulators, great support from the regulators as we're moving it forward. Still a lot of work to do, but you know, I think ultimately it is about framing this project so that when you get to the point where you can make that construction decision, you have the best long-term opportunity there that you can. And I think, uh, you know, this regional exploration is an important part of that. Uh, yes, it costs some money, but I think if you're able to define something that, you know, could have uh, resource potential of another three to five million ounces, it turns this from an interesting project that, a, you know, producing mining company might want to own to, you know, a world class project that a big mining company needs to own. Right. So, so in terms of that exploration, that's you're not you're not looking to expand the, the, the current spring pool project. You're talking about the kind of wider area is that right no it's a little so, bit of both it's a little right, bit of okay, both okay. So in, inside call it the current footprint of spring pool there's right. it's long been theorized that there's a fault offset here it's kind of abruptly cut off at about 500 meters um and we've started to get sniffs of in our in our you know geotechnical drilling and other things starting to get sniffs of there is more to find right in here. And part of building a geologic team and an exploration team, the reason it's been so important is it's actually allowed us to kind of go back to first principles in really understanding the geology of Spring Pole, which uh, I think has opened up a lot of different opportunities as to where we think we might be able to grow it. So we're going to test a few of those this year. And to the extent that we have any exploration success, again, I think you know, this is uh, this is a real opportunity for repositioning of this project strategically in the industry. Right. Okay. And and 
But again, remind me, your intent at the moment is to, you're building a big exploration team, but is your intent, once you get to construction decision, final investment decision, to flip this thing out, have someone else come in and do that, or, or can you move it forward? Well, I think you assess that at the time, right? It's the, you always have to go down the path of understanding all of the opportunities that you have to move it forward. So, uh, you know, as you get towards that uh, environmental assessment approval, you know, you go down a path of project financing and understand to, to what degree can you finance this project yourself and have that as an alternative. And then, you know, the board uh, needs to weigh off on, on, you know, on behalf of the shareholders and other stakeholders in the company, needs to weigh off on a risk reward basis. Should we be building this ourselves? Should we be bringing in a partner to help us build this? Or is there someone who would want to acquire it at that time? So, you know, it's a it's a well-trodden path, uh, you know, in, in robust markets. It's usually uh, you know, pretty, pretty efficient price discovery around these things when you get it to that point. But that's that's kind of the maximum value before that beginning of construction. So then. We haven't we haven't been in an environment where we've seen a lot of that type of activity recently, but you know I think we'll get back to that type of environment here as gold as you said at the outset, you know gold's pushing up toward nineteen hundred dollars, and the producers who by the way probably did all of their budgets at the end of last year at sixteen hundred because that was the prevailing gold price, now all of a sudden are going to have three hundred dollars of extra margin, um, you know to be able to afford strategic investments, be able to afford, you know, strategic acquisitions. Right. But, but let me start. I'm going to keep going on this point a bit, which, which is I get that at the point you make a construction decision or in a position to make a construction decision or be able to work out whether you can get this thing financed or not, because you'll, you'll understand the economics a bit more. Um, you will have to build a team who can actually build it if if that's the route that you're going down. You're not doing that. You're not signaling to the market that that's your intent at the moment. You're signaling potentially JV. You're signaling potential acquisition. I mean, if it's an acquisition, I'm, I'm intrigued of what more you've got to do and where the value comes in. Because when someone comes along and you know, offers to buy this off you, they're going to offer you 20, 30% premium, you, you get lynched at today's prices. So you, what are you going to, what are you going to do? And what are the things we should be looking at saying, you know what, there's a bit of expiration. We don't know what that's going to bring, but hopefully that's a bit of blue sky. But with regards to spring pole, as we know it today, you get two and a half years of the environmental to go through. What are these de-risking moments which add value? Well, those, I mean, the biggest one is getting through the environmental assessment process. And it has a lot to do with this legacy perception of Spring Pool because the deposit sits under the Bay of the Lake, right? So I think, you know, when you uh, have approvals, uh, environmental assessment approvals, and it becomes clear that you will be able to build this project, I don't think you're trading at $8 an ounce anymore. You know, I think if you look at historically where permitted projects have traded, it's been in that kind of 50 to $100 an ounce. So, you know, just kind of achieving on this game plan, uh, you can see a runway to, you know, that's five or 600 million US of value for Springpool and 
today the market cap for the whole company is 200. And by the way, we have another 5 million ounce gold project in Quebec, which is equally interesting. And, uh, you know, as I think we're, we're very interested to see how quickly we can advance to Parquet. Uh, you know, kicking off an economic study there uh, now, which we're excited about uh, and should have, you know, certainly kind of by the third quarter should have an ability to talk about that, not from a look, oh, this is amazing. We bought it at $5 per ounce, but let's actually really look at what we think this project is worth on on an NPV basis. Right. Okay. And I, and I do want to get on to Deep Parquet, but um, just just finish off on, on, on Springfall. The environmental component is two and a half years more work and maybe two and a half years before you can get get the answer that you want because of, I say, the position and the perceived position of of, of the the um, the value of the company as well is is sitting below the bay, right? So it won't be the first project that's been built under under a lake or under a bay, but you've got to go through the process there. So why make the decision to continue to spend money on the expiration component on that. Why not go and put all of your money into Duparquet and just you know finish? So leave leave the environmental process going in the background with Springfield, but then you know really really get focused on Duparquet. It's it's a, it's a big meaningful asset which you picked up super super cheap. Wouldn't that be a better use of your time, money, and effort? You know, I think there's room to do both. And that comes down a bit to capital availability. That comes down a bit to, uh, you know, I think we look at one of the other things that we we fundamentally got right uh, over the course of 2022. It was leveraging some of the other assets on our balance sheet to provide us with funding runway to be able to move the company forward. So, you know, we've monetized 15 or $20 million worth of strategic investments, uh, the gold line royalty toward the end of the year. And, you know, we still have 20 other royalties. We still have uh, project interests in Pickle Crow and Hope Brook. Uh, you know, we still have our ownership in Treasury Metals. So we've got a lot of these other opportunities to to turn some of those assets into capital to let us go. Listen, we're not we're not talking about a fifty million dollar exploration program at Springfield. What we're talking about is really thoughtful geoscience and then testing those targets. Uh, and based on success, if we're able to demonstrate that there is more resource opportunity in this belt. Um, you know, I, I think you get rewarded for that. And I think that the, the value may not come through right in the share price in day one, but fundamentally you get rewarded for that at the time when you're having those discussions a year and a half, two years down the track with a number of different groups about, you know, potential partnerships or strategic interest in the project. So I, I, you know, I really do think it helps in, Further moving this project out into you know a, a kind of must own status. Right. No, I, I get it, and, and we have covered it in the, in the past when, when we've spoken in terms of your holding uh, of Treasury and you know um, Hope Brook and you know um, Pickled Crow and uh, yeah, there's real value elsewhere. And I and, and I appreciate you fact you picked up nine point five million bucks on the Goldland and SR as well. So and the Treasury is good. That's what's giving you the confidence to be able to look at both. I think that's what I'm hearing from you. So let's talk about Duparquet. You picked it up cheap, but it needs some work. So what 
precisely is going to be happening in 2023 over at Du Parquet? Yeah. So the first uh, the first thing is really for the first time in 70 years, really committing some money to understanding the current state of that environmental legacy that's there. And that's really important, I think, in terms of us uh, building our social license. Um, you know, uh, it's a it's a really interesting deposit. I think there's lots of room to grow that deposit uh, from an exploration perspective. Uh, it still probably needs some infill drilling as well, um, but it's uh, it's something that I think over the course of this year we will get a much, much better understanding of what the path going forward would be. First of all, on, you know, the uh, on the environment side, because it's it's very similar uh, in a sense to the Hard Rock project in Ontario that our uh, our team spent six and a half years permitting Um, that need for um, uh, for work on the environmental legacy actually provides the impetus for the development and sort of aligns everyone's interest in seeing something move forward a bit more quickly. So, but, but we need to do the work, right? We need to really establish an environmental baseline there. And then we're starting in the economic studies to think about different ways that you might be able to scope this. One thing that we know is that there is a higher grade, you know, lower tonnage starter operation, starter pit there. Uh, that has potential to, you know, be one of the higher grade open pits in Canada. And so lots to figure out about that. And we need people to do the real work. But I think, you know, if we're sitting at the end of this year with um, some exploration success, uh, we're able to demonstrate confidence in the resource that's there. And we're able to demonstrate, you know, on a preliminary level, some economics and really deliver a time frame and a path forward for Duparquet, I think we will be able to declare victory by the end of 2023. So, okay, and, and again, so the, the the timing of moving that through, because again, to come back to that question, which gets thrown at you a lot, which is when does this thing get into production? How quickly can you get to cash flow? So, there's an, there's an open pit solution with you're obviously high graded initially. Um, just get the get the ball rolling, you know, payback, pay whatever capex, etc. You know, quicker. How do you accelerate? Do you want to accelerate it? Because I, I and I, I forgive you if you didn't want to necessarily accelerate things into an economic environment which is still uncertain. Whatever gold price is doing, you know, the cost of money, the cost of capex, and you know, inflation still is claiming victims. You know, good projects have become marginal. Um, I could, I, I could forgive you if you didn't want to accelerate this, but. Could you, if you wanted to, what do you need to see to be able to make those sorts of decisions? Well, and that really comes back to the discussion with uh, with the regulators uh, in Quebec around um, what is that path forward? And that's something that we just, you know, you need to have a certain amount of baseline work in order to really have that discussion. And I think we're collecting that baseline data um, and we'll continue to collect that baseline data so we can work collaboratively to come up with, you know, some of the environmental uh, solutions that we need to mitigate some of that, some of that legacy. But um, I think that gets done in a staged approach. And I think, you know, so far in all of our discussions, everyone recognizes that the thing that is needed longer term here 
is the same infrastructure that you need for a mine, right? You need a place to be able to either process some of this material or move it. Uh, and that's basically a tailings dam with a water treatment plant, which you need for a mine. So we want to have a bunch of those discussions this year. We want to scope on a preliminary basis a project so that kind of when we have that PEA in hand and we can talk about footprint, importantly, with the community, we're not going to have all the answers. It's going to be a bit of an iterative process, um, but it at least should give us an ability by the end of the year to talk about a development time frame. Because right now it's still a little uncertain, you know, if this was starting from scratch, you would be talking about, you know, collecting two years of environmental baseline work, then preparing an environmental assessment and then going through the environmental assessment process. We think there, you know, there's, there's a lot of that work that has been done and it's just getting everyone's buy-in on basically what the game plan is to move it forward. Right. So and remind me what you inherited, because you, you, you talk about, was it 3.4 million hours of, of M&I and 1.6 of, of inferred. Yeah. Um, there's, you took, and, and I think one of, one of your plans for this year, you talk about updating the economic study. Was that, was that a PEA you inherited? or, or uh, it PFS. Uh, PFS, okay. PFS okay. done in 2014 on a right. 10,000 ton per day uh, open pit mine and mill uh, that produced a total of about 1.7 million ounces out of, the, out of the bigger resource that you've quoted. So, um, you know, and part of that, what we've discovered is there was quite a bit of inferred in those pits. Um, and that's in large part because, you know, this project really saw a, a real flurry of exploration activity over, over a kind of two or three year period. But it was like 100,000 years. <laughs> like it was one of the years done by Osisco and it was a classic Osisco drill program, like just go. And there was a lot of data collection, but not a lot of in for a lot of a lot of drill core collection, but not necessarily all the data collection that you would want to come out of that because everything was kind of being done in a hurry. So it gives us an opportunity at low cost to go back and look at some of that with a little bit of time, really get as as we've done at Springpole over this past year, really get our team's hands on the geology and then be able to use that to a um scope a program where you are going to increase the confidence in some of those resources, you know, infill drill some of the parts of the deposit that you think could add ounces and demonstrate continuity and have you in a better position maybe to be talking about a PFS more quickly. You're not going to need a huge drill program to go from PEA to PFS and then test the extremities of these these different deposits at Duparquet, because it's not just one it's not just one area. There's a series of deposits there, um, all of which are not cut off. They're not they're open at depth. They're open along strikes. So we think there's lots of opportunity just in the footprint right there. And then you know you start as we've done at Springpool, you start looking regionally, uh, and you know we're already starting. What a lot of people forget is we're starting with half a million ounces of high grade in uh, in our Duquesne and Pitt projects, which are literally just down the road, like 10 kilometers. So there's, there is a little district here that's just going to take some thought and time and attention to kind of pull together. And that's why this year is, is not huge dollars, but it is extremely high value. This is where I think you can outline 
the frame of a development project that we want to see move forward and uh, get the buy-in of the communities and um, the local indigenous community and the regulators around a path. So that's why I say this is it's a really, really important year at Duparquet for us to get that stuff framed. So we're all marching in the right direction. Yeah. Okay. So my, my, I think my takeaway from this is, look, you reminded me of the extent of the portfolio that you've got, it, it, all of which has value. But obviously, you want to obviously retain control of Spring Crawl and Duparquet, but you have, you have other assets which you could liquidate should you need to. You've got some um, cash that's coming in from the, the NSI at Goldland. You've also got 20 other NSRs in, across North America and, and I think a few in West Africa as well. So cash-wise, there's going to, I guess, a quiet confidence in you. But I'm more intrigued with what you do with it. When you say it's not a big year cash-wise, but could be in terms of value unlocking, Yeah. G- 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 give me just in, pr- in data order, can you give me uh, a sense of what I should be looking at and for and why it is going to unlock value? So um, in the in terms of catalysts and sort of where yeah. we're going to Yeah, I hate to use in. the word catalyst because the last two years, catalysts came and went. The CEO's <laughs> going, oh, i got a catalyst moment. The market's gone. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. It, it, with, with, a, with a kind of long-term project, long-term planning and something where you were talking about kind of shaping a plan yeah. for both assets, I'm interested because I'm interested in what those moments are yeah. and why they will truly uh, they're truly important to the company. Whether or not the market rewards is another matter. Why, why yeah. they're important? So uh, let's start at Springpool. So one of the really important things that we're working on over the next uh, six months here is working with the indigenous communities, and in particularly the shared territory protocol nations around our project, on scoping uh, an indigenous assessment for the project. So we're going through the provincial and federal environmental assessment process. Uh, the communities uh, have um, a strong desire to do their own assessment process. We're supporting them in that. I think this this is fundamental to the project moving forward. It's fundamental to the process of us, um, you know, receiving consent from the communities to advance the project. And uh, it's a really, really important process that's been done a, a couple of times in Canada, but I don't think we've had an Indigenous-led assessment process in Ontario. So we're, we're, we're very proud to be supporting that. And I think that gets us in, you know, in closer dialogue and, and moving forward with the communities. I think with that, it will just demonstrate not, not any certainty of outcome because this is an independent process. They're getting independent advisors. But I think it, it just the process will be able to demonstrate that we have engagement and the communities and, and the company are working together going through that process. So I think that's very important. At the same time, uh, you know, we go through, and this is stuff that doesn't, you know, make news releases, but every week there's comment responses going back to the thousand comments we received on the draft EA. Um, and we go back and forth in terms of some real, you know, real fundamental de-risking of the project from the regulatory perspective, because you build that understanding. And that primarily happens this year. So we're sitting, you know, by the end of 2023, I think having addressed all of the regulatory issues and hopefully uh, having made significant progress on um, the community's 
getting done a bunch of the work that they would need to do to comment on the EA process, but through their uh, Anishinaabe-led process. So it's a it's a really important year of building that social license and of building you know the confidence that you're going to get there on the regulatory perspective. And I'm I'm optimistic that you know when you're sitting at the end of the year. Uh, if if uh, we do the work and it works the way that we hope it will, um, that you know you're going to be able to say with a high degree of confidence you're going to get to the finish line. Um, so that's important. You know, there's ongoing engineering work that's going into that. We're we're weighing off whether we update the economic study at Springpole, uh, leaning toward the the fact that we might. We haven't committed to it yet. But sort of towards the end of the year, uh, if there are any changes in scope to the project through the EA process and through this comment response process, get those basically pulled together in probably a a PFS update that would just reflect the project that's going to get submitted. And, you know, from there to feasibility will be confirmatory in a sense. So I think we achieved those things at Springpole and then... Uh, on the exploration side, fully demonstrate that, you know, there's near deposit growth potential and there's other real potential in this Bertucci Greenstone Belt. Uh, I think each of those things are very, very important milestones for the company. And then on Duparquet, you know, we've got uh, the initial baseline environmental studies that are ongoing, uh, targeting an economic study in Q3. And, um, you know, I think that uh, is going to leave us with an ability to hopefully by the end of 2023, be able to talk more confidently about a development time frame for that project. And on top of that, you know, we will have exploration results that will be coming from, you know, some of the infill drilling that we're going to be doing and some of the resource expansion drilling that we want to do at Duparquet. So um, it's, it's lots to tackle. It's lots to tackle. 